1: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
0: Hey, hope you had a uh, great Christmas. We are back with a special episode for New Year's, the last week of 2021. And it has been a, a hell of a year, man.
2: It has. Um, it, it seems like we say that every year and yeah, we mean right? it even more every year, you know, <laughs> and, and I think you mean that even more than you did last year when you say it's been a hell of a year. Uh, it, it's been challenging. It has been crazy. It has been fast paced. Uh, but we also had some fun in this year, and uh, so we've been uh, doing this thing uh, these last couple of weeks of the year where we've pulled up some episodes that we did earlier in the year that still have legs and, and really hold up as though we recorded them yesterday. Uh, and one of the ones that uh, you picked this one, it really stood out to you, it stood out to me too, uh, is uh, probably one of the most indelible characters you're ever going to meet. Uh, so we're going to get into that in just a second. What are you drinking today?
0: That was my question, man. I'm having the uh, Laguna Madre. This is a Belgian oh, yeah. style white ale. It's the mother of all ales. And it's from uh it's reeled in from San Antonio. I, I don't know if there are a lot of lakes in San Antonio, but uh I just know the
2: riverwalk. Well, I'm 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 proud of you, by the way.
0: What well, for why?
2: Because uh, apparently you have finally learned something. You didn't learn it from me because I've tried to teach you several times. But I guess Gary <laughs> Kelly, CEO of Southwest Airlines, finally shamed you enough uh, to stop calling it San Antone. Uh, it is I, San Antonio. There is I don't an I.O. I at the end there.
0: I, I, does anyone call it San Antone?
2: You I, I've always, I've you always used to? I mean,
0: i don't call it on the air of San Antonio, but on a podcast. You, you like, most
2: certainly did in the... I, I, in the bar with Gary Kelly sitting right across from him, you said San Antonio, didn't you? Yeah, that was a
0: podcast, though. We're, we're a little lighter here. They let us drink beer on this, aren't mm, we? Can lighter. we not be ourselves on this?
2: Uh, I think are we Gary not, was are we not very clear that that wasn't just lighter. He's, he <laughs> very clearly pulled out the red pen and went, uh uh-uh, uh, fail. That's an F. Um, <laughs> this, so how's that Laguna Madre? Th- this is pretty good, man.
0: It's uh, a little more like my speed. Belgian style white ale. It's oh. a good holiday ale. What are you having?
2: Uh, I'm having a golden ale from the Dallas, uh, the, the Deep Elm Brewing Company. It's just called DTX. Mm. So I'm in the DTX here uh, and having this today.
0: <clears throat> Big D there. Yeah. And speaking of Big D, we're talking about a, uh, a broadcasting legend from Big D. This was one of our most listened to episodes for 2021 Mm -hmm. and we're bringing it back because evidently a lot of people liked hearing uh from this guy it's dale hansen longtime sportscaster um and a number of other hats he wore also over the years at wfaa he was there for what 40 something years wheeler almost as long as you've
2: been there (laughs) yeah um Uh, he was there for eon that means it's time for me to retire too then
0: and, and he made a name not only in sports, but also on social issues in the past yeah. uh, you know, decade or so. He really took a stand on social issues. And, and that that really exposed him to a new audience, not only in Texas, but also across the
2: country. I, I'm, I'm ashamed of you when you were uh, giving his, his bio there. You forgot to mention he is also a part-time bear wrestler uh, and has done that several times. And that's one of the things that we got into with him. Who can say that? Uh, who can say that they have done that even one time in life, but several times in life to have actually wrestled a bear? A and bear. not only did,
0: did he wrestle it, though, but it led to jobs and careers. <laughs>
2: who so would ever that, think that that's your path, you know, that that's how you get in right. the door? But never, with mind Dale
0: and, yeah, never mind resumes and knowing people and, you know, <laughs> wearing shiny shoes to an interview. Wrestle a bear if you're Dale Hansen twice.
2: Yeah. And it'll get you paid. Now, that being said, we're not encouraging anybody to go wrestle a bear to try to land the job. Uh, But, you know, it's just one of many things about Dale Hansen. Uh, that just makes him this enigma. Uh, and as Jason said, this is one of our most listened to episodes ever. Uh, and so for those of you who did listen, take another. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear this one, you have picked a good one uh, to hear on this day. So uh, let's take a listen again to the late, to the great, uh, I, I, the late. No, he's the not late. the late. Slow uh, down, man. Slow he down. Here. is the great <laughs> Dale Hanson, who has uh, now retired, but can still uh, turn a phrase and tell a story better than than just about anybody.
0: So Dale's with us now, man. Dale, thanks for uh, thanks for joining right. us. You're the hardest guy to book. I can get Fauci on this program better than I can get you on this program. Yeah, I
1: think we know better than that. And by the way, I'll drink for that as well. But Cheers. I, I, I've well, got you're got having a Corona group. extra there. This is like my seventh one this morning. So <laughs> I hope that's okay. I got. I kept waiting for you guys to log on. So, I'm, I'm so, also, uh, so this is like any I, other I, day, I Dale. Yeah, so, I appreciate it very much.
0: What Dale? Tell us this man. What led to the decision? Because I know you've thought about this for a while. But what was the what was the breaking point where you said, oh, you know, the heck with it?
1: Well, yeah, I really don't think there was a breaking point. Everybody's been trying to find one, and uh, uh, there were just a lot of little things. It has been going on for about four to five years. Uh, I've been thinking about it one way or the other that I wanted to retire. Uh, the lovely Mrs. Hansen was concerned that we wouldn't have enough money for her to continue riding her horse in a circle. Uh, and I promised her once we once we figured out that that horse could still keep going in a circle to win a ribbon, uh, we were good. Um, you know, I, I, somebody said to me today, well, "Did you have an issue with Channel Eight management?" I said, "Yes, uh, for about the last thirty-eight years." You know, I mean, it, it's, it, there was no issue at Channel Eight, uh, uh, or at least at the very least, nothing that couldn't have been resolved if I wanted to. But you you put that with. The pandemic, I think, changed my outlook on all of life a little bit, as I'm sure it did for a lot of people. And yeah. you just throw it all into a, a ball. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 73 here in a couple of months. Um, uh, what, would 74 be better? 75, really? And and as crazy as it sounds, um, I do want to be able to retire while I'm still feeling good enough and active enough that, you know, when we can travel a little bit and I don't have to be in a, in a stroller when we're looking at Yellowstone National Park, um, you know, I don't want to be on the cruise ship when they're saying, okay, all the old fat people come on first, you know, I, um, I want to be able to walk on with everybody else. And I think this is the time to do it.
2: So what a, what a storied career, though, at uh, WFAA-TV for uh, about 38 years, as, as you say. Uh, in broadcasting, you're talking about a half a century total. Um, and, and I'm just curious, Dale, how many times in that half a century have you been fired from a job? And how strange does it feel at the very end to be able to go out on your own terms?
1: I think people... Think I'm joking about this, but I'm not. I've had 11 jobs in my life, in my professional life. I've had 11 jobs, and I've been fired from eight of them. Uh, uh, and it, one of the awkward things is uh, my, my greatest mentor ever, as a, a man named Danny Livingston that I that I met in Omaha, Nebraska, in 1977 when I started in television. That was my first TV job, and I, I was talking to Danny a couple of weeks ago about all of this, and he said, "Please." please go out as classy as possible. Just make it as classy as it possibly can be. And I, I, I did. I, I said, well, Danny, that would be a first. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, if I go out on my own terms, uh, that would bring the total to three in 50-plus uh, in, in years. Um, and that, But that was important to me also, uh, you know, being a big baseball guy that I am. Um, I, I'm a big believer in the Branch Rickey theory of, of how he used to manage his baseball teams. You trade a guy, you you get rid of a guy a year early in, instead of a year late. Hmm. And I never wanted to be that guy that when I left, people would say, Phew, wow, it, it's about time. Um you know, we love old Dale, but man, that last year or so, <laughs> he was having some issues, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I, and I think that was always possible. I mean, um, I, you know, I've made a few mistakes off and on over the last year or so, a couple of years and, uh, you know, I'll forget a name or mispronounce a name and it just, it just eats at me. And everyone's Oh, Dale, we all do that. You know, and, it, and we do. I mean, for the most part, we all do, but I'm 73 or will be in a couple of months and I just don't want to be that guy. I just don't. And, um, uh, so I, I going out on my own terms is a relatively new experience for me. Uh, uh, cause I was fired from my last, let's see, uh, Knoxville, Iowa, St. Cloud, Minnesota, coil radio, uh, KMTV in Omaha, KDFW in, uh, in Dallas. Yeah. I was fired from my <laughs> last five jobs prior to, uh, to uh, coming to WFAA.
2: Hey, Dale, just so we have the record straight here, though, was the, uh, those, those firings, does that include the Jerry Jones firing? Because hadn't you quit that job with him hey, before I, he fired you?
0: Th- this is 1996, right? And you were in Dallas.
1: Yeah, no, no, that does not include that firing. Uh, if you start getting into the, when I say, the, I, I've had 11, these are my what I call my primary jobs. Ah. I've had, oh, Probably what three, four, five uh, radio jobs, like you know, side jobs, and and was fired from three of those, you know. But I don't, uh, I, I don't even count those. So if you start, because now you get into double digits, Jason, and I, I don't think you needed to go there. Uh, I think I think admitting to eight is enough. You didn't have to drag it into double digits. Um, but no, Jerry Jones, that is still my favorite story. I'm looking forward to. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get Jerry Jones on live um, at. at hopefully Cowboys camp this summer one last time. And I am going to ask him to clear this up once and for all. And I don't know if he'll admit to it or not, but I quit. Barry Horn wrote about it in the Dallas morning news. And I think he was tipped to it by my buddy, Randy Galloway. And I didn't give him any quotes. And he said, I'm going to write it. I said, you write whatever you want. And of course he knew and I knew, whatever. And Jerry was so upset because I had already told him that I was quitting at the end of the 96 season. And Barry Horn writes it in the morning news. And Jones was so mad that the story popped early that they called me the next day and fired me. And I said, well, you you can't really fire me. I quit yesterday. They said, no, we mean you're fired today. I said, no, that's fine. No big deal. The best part of that story, uh, the late Ron Chapman um, went on the air. And in order to apparently justify my firing, proceeded to just rail on me about what a bad person I was. and wow. that we, We'd been trying to get rid of him for years, and nobody <laughs> liked him, and he's impossible to work with. So I got mad, and I called Bob Cooper, who was the general manager of the radio station, and I said, Bob, um, I want my paycheck for the remainder of the year. And on my sated mother's grave, this is a true story. And he said, well, Dale, I don't think we owe you that. I mean, you quit. And I said, well, I thought I quit, but I was listening to Chapman this morning, and apparently you guys fired me because I'm a horrible human being. And he said, well, Dale, I just don't think we owe you that money. And I said, I don't either, quite honestly, but my attorney does. Would you like me to have him call? And about an hour and a half later, he called back and he said, we'll send you a check for the remaining four games. And I said, and I want the playoff game. And he said, well, so they sent me a check for five games, which is a rather staggering amount of money, quite honestly, for for broadcasting a football game. Money that you make, and you don't even have to leave your house to earn it (laughs) or get it, that's money to the nth power.
0: That's the best kind of money.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I got got paid five extra games. And yet to this day, and even Barry Horn said the the next couple days, he goes, oh, so actually what you did was you planted the story that you were quitting knowing that you were being fired. And I said, Barry, I said, you, Come on, you, you right. seriously believe that? I mean, have I ever lied to you? And uh, it, it, it kind of, it ticks me off to this day. You know? So again, once again, thanks for bringing up another incredibly <laughs> sore point. Yeah.
0: Well, well done, Wheeler. Nice, nice right going the there, gates, man. Too. We're only like nine minutes into the podcast. You've already upset <laughs> our guest
1: here. Let, let me talk to Whiteley. He's so much nicer <laughs>
0: Hey, but you, you told a story on Tuesday in the staff meeting, and I had heard this before, but I'd never heard you tell the story about uh, Omaha, Nebraska, when you worked up there. You said you never thought you'd leave Omaha, but you did something up there, and apparently that's the only thing that survived of all your, your tenure up there on tape. Tell our listeners about that.
1: <laughs> well, I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this. Uh, would, would you say that's the only thing? That, I wrestled a bear. In, in in Omaha, Nebraska, yeah, and and quite honestly, it is the only thing surviving. I I, I really was like the, the fourth rated sportscaster in a three station market. I mean, the, the other the other two anchors were far ahead of me in the ratings, and one of the weekend guys was ahead of me. Uh, I, people in Omaha, Nebraska, to this day, so really, is that the same guy working in Dallas? Tech? Really, is that the guy? I I, I was horrible. I, I I thought I was halfway decent, but but I get I mean, I was it was horrible. But yeah, I wrestled this bear at the Civic Auditorium. It was like a boat show that they had every year. So I wrestled the bear, and it was a riot. It was funny, and uh, I, the bear hit me in the head and broke my neck. But it <laughs> it, it, it was scary. I mean, it was. It, but it was fun. I mean, but the, the first part of this story, Jason. Everybody's going out there like trying to wrestle the bear, like like legitimately wrestle. The bear just sits down. You know, he's not interested. He's yeah. probably drugged up or whatever. So everybody's out there kind of, and the guy walks up to me and he said, Hey, Hanson, you want to put on a show for the crowd, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, he said, hit that bear as hard as you can. He said, you cannot hurt the bear. And the more you hit the bear, the more he'll respond. Oh so my I, said, God. Okay. I said, you sure? He said, yeah. So the yes. bear's sitting there on all fours and I come, they introduced me and I just come flying across the stage as fast as I could. Cause I was younger and thinner and I could actually run a little bit in those days. <laughs> And I just went full bore into a tackle on that bear. And I swear to you, I hit him. He kind of went, and he just reached over and pinned me. I mean, he didn't even budge. He didn't even budge. He just kind of shrugged his shoulders and pinned me. we get him up. This bear was trained. And, and I'd be wrestling, or like i am wrestling, and he'd reach down, literally reach down, grab my leg, pull me out, pinned me. This bear pinned me three times. Now, here's the kicker. I go back to the station. I said, "Listen, I wrestled this bear for like five minutes. I mean, it's five six minutes. A great video. Just edit it down and let's let's run about like thirty to forty seconds of it on the sportscast." They said, "Okay." Yeah. The guy comes back to me. He said, "Dale, I think you gave me the wrong tape." I said, "Why?" He goes, "It only runs thirty two seconds." <laughs> I said, "No, no. I said it's like five minutes." He said, "No, it's it's like thirty two seconds. You pinned you like three times, right?" So. So fast forward to the best part of the, what you're talking about. I get fired in Omaha, Nebraska. I didn't have any audition tapes available. I didn't keep I didn't keep stuff. One, I right. didn't have anything that was that good. And two, I never thought I'm leaving Omaha, Nebraska. And I called his buddy of mine, Paul Young. And he said, yeah, I've got a tape of a show. He was a director. And he said, I've got a tape. And it was me at the boat show in this, like, denim jacket with big KMTV letters across the chest. <laughs> and I wrestle a bear. And I sent it to a headhunter in New York City that I found in the back of a Broadcasting Magazine, uh, named Shirley Bears, and she died of lung cancer because she smoked nonstop. And she really did sound like it. Oh my God, stay, Say, well, stay! Now well, say well. And she goes, What? What are you applying for? Are you like an auto mechanic or a sportscaster? And that was it. She sends the tape. I said, That's all I got she sent the tape off to channel four in Dallas and the general manager calls me in for my interview. And he said, would you rest? If we hire you, will you wrestle a bear? (laughs) And I'm figured, you know, what are the odds? I mean, what are the odds? I said, sure. I'll wrestle a bear. You find me a bear. I'll wrestle it. And about six months later, there's a boat show over at the the, uh, convention center in Dallas and I'm wrestling a bear again. (laughs) And that bear, I don't know if it was the same bear or not, but he beat the hell out of me. I mean, he beat the hell out of me.
0: What what are the chances it would be the same bear? And and the fact that wrestling a bear got you to Dallas is what's unbelievable.
1: I know. But I think I absolutely believe this without question. Now I was younger. I had I had dark hair. I had I had hair that actually didn't need combing on top. I mean, that all kinds of stuff. But the, the sports cast itself was pretty goofy. It didn't have anything. Uh, I did the Tom Osborne show in Nebraska, and uh, but I didn't have any tapes of it or, or nothing to show. I just had that one goofy sports cast. But I'd also think part of it, because this sounds incredibly strange to say it now, but this was really in the beginning of when, when stations were doing live shots. Mm. There, there really wasn't much in the way of live. You know, everything was in the studio, yeah. scripted. And here I was and stations knew they were having an issue with this uh, because believe it or not, a lot of people were actually afraid of it. I I was the first person at KMTV in Nebraska to go live on on a remote site because nobody else really wanted to do it. I went, heck, I'll do it. Right. And so I did it from a, a baseball game. And I think that might've been a small part of it that, that I was able to somewhat comfortably sit in this arena with people all around me and, you know, do like a four-minute sportscast and narrate a couple of highlights of the Creighton basketball game or whatever we had that night, and then cap it off with me wrestling a bear, which, you know, you have to admit, guys, it might be stupid, but you're going to look at it. <laughs> that's good <laughs> I mean, TV. <laughs> that is, gonna that is good it. TV,
2: you're <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to look at it over and over and over again, yeah, and that's what's happened over the years. I want to meet the
1: guy that wrestled a bear. And, um <laughs> And as arrogant as this sounds, that was always my claim to fame that that if I get across the desk, here's the other side of it. I've had, I've had these 11 jobs uh, in my life. I've applied for about 200. Hmm. I've had 11 interviews in my life. Hmm. Every job that I've interviewed for, I was offered. Hmm. Now I send out my resume. I send out my audition tapes. Um, You know, they're not interested. They're not interested. But if I can get across the desk, as arrogant as I'm sure this probably sounds. But as I said to, to, she was my girlfriend then, obviously my wife now. I said, this is unbelievable. We're moving to Dallas. And she said, well, you haven't even done the interview. I said, I don't don't have to. They're good. So I, I fly down to Dallas. I fly back. She said, did you get the job? And I said, no, but I will. And she said, you're like the cockiest guy ever. I said, no, it's not that. I just know how to interview. That's the one real skill that I do have, is that I, I know how to interview for a job. So what's the trick, I, Dale? Well, the trick is, seriously. unlike people that I've interviewed over the years, people walk in asking for the money. I've had people asking me how much to pay, when, what vacations do I get, do I have to work holidays? I never talk money, I never talk job descriptions. I talk opportunities. Mm. All I do is talk about opportunities, I prepare, uh, I give you the the, the simplest short version of how I got the Channel 4 job. I did a little bit of research. When I walked in, the great Vern Lundquist was dominating Dallas sports. They popped in a tape of Vern Lundquist, which I I knew, of course, had heard of him and seen some of his work. And the guy looked at me, got him, Wayne, uh, Wayne, Wayne Nelson, I believe his name was. But anyway, John McKay was the general manager. And not our John McKay, a different one, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm think about this. I'm unemployed, and I've just been fired in Omaha, Nebraska. And they look at me after playing like three, four minutes of Vern Lundquist, and they said, can you do that? That's the dominant guy. Can you do that? And I swear to you, I looked at them, and I said, I could, but I won't.
2: Hmm.
1: And they're like, what? And I said, gentlemen, the problem that you've had over these last 15-plus years is – You've tried to compete with mm-hmm. Vern Lundquist by hiring Vern Lundquist light. Mm-hmm. I said, if you hire somebody who does it exactly like Vern Lundquist does it, why would anybody turn the dial? Right. And I could mm-hmm. see, I could see, especially in John McKay, like, well, hey, wait a minute, what this, this guy might be on something. And they mm-hmm. said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, number one, I would start by covering high school sports, which is really what made my mark in this, in this city. But I said I would cover high school sports. Uh, I'd I'd be a little funnier than Vern Lundquist, I think. Um, I'll I'll do some goofy feature stories, you know. And I'll do something that gives the viewer an alternative. Right. And a lot of people were upset by it. And I got a lot of criticism for it for a long time in Dallas. Because Vern was so good and so strong that how could you possibly not do what Vern Lundquist Mm -hmm. is doing? And I said, and I said I quoted it in the paper. And I don't know if people thought I was lying or not, but I was. I said, I'm not doing what Vern Lundquist is doing because I, I'm just trying to carve out a piece of the pie. Now mm-hmm. I was hoping to get a pretty good piece of it, you know. <laughs> but I said, I can't, I cannot possibly beat Vern Lundquist by being Vern Lundquist. It, 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 it can't be done. And over the years, again, probably sounds arrogant, but different People would come to, you know, 4, 5, 11 or whatever. And I'd look up and i go, well, yeah, they're doing me. You know, they start right off doing some smart aleck remarks or making fun <laughs> of the Rangers or the Cowboys. and I'm like, they, they got no chance. They got yeah. no chance. And they, quite frankly, they didn't. Once the station said, okay, we're going to bring in, you know, Mike Ducey. Very smooth, very good, very clean. Doesn't doesn't offend anybody. We're gonna bring in Newey Scrubs to give you another look, another opportunity. Okay, that's a little of a, that's that's a little bit of a battle here. That's a different deal. But call it whatever you want. But if you bring in somebody who, who looks and acts and talks just like me, yeah. I'm not worried about it. I've got a thirty year heart you know, 30, 35 year head start. And that's what I did to Vernon Lundquist yeah. and Channel Four, and it worked.
0: Dale, tell us about uh, the unplugged segments. People obviously North Texas know you for sports, but people outside of North Texas have really gotten to know you for your unplugged segments. I, I've been at WFAA for uh, 13, 14 years now. Um, how did this come about? Because I, I don't know if it, if it was, I'm sure it predates me, but how, how did it come about and did you what, what was the feedback that they gave you when you said you wanted to uh, come out and take a stand on something?
1: Yeah, it, 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 it just, it started really from Thank God for Kids. Mm. Um, and I think that was really the genesis of it. I started doing Thank God for Kids in
2: 1982.
1: Mm. And, and I would always do a little mini commentary, but it was obviously, a, I mean, it wasn't a commentary per se. It was just a little essay about a, you know, a kid who had died or, or the, uh, the holiday spirit or whatever. And then it just kind of morphed out from there. Well, then when we did the SMU investigation at Channel A. And this was, I found this to be a little bit surprising by that point, I was kind of dabbling in with, you know, I wouldn't call them like, like commentaries, but they were like extended criticism or extended uh, smart aleck remarks or whatever, you know? Um, But the first real commentary that I think I did was, was that SMU investigation. And it was just kind of a mutual company decision of, why don't we just put a bow on this? And Dale, why don't you just write a commentary about it? And uh, mm-hmm. I thought, well, yeah, I can do that. And it was, you know, it was pretty well received. And I, then I just, well, oh, here, here's another one. Jackie Sherrill said this down at Texas A&M. And then I wrote another one. And, mm-hmm. and it just kind of started taking on a life of its own. Well, then about, oh, I don't know, early 90s somewhere, John Miller said, we need you to do it every Thursday night during the rating books because they're very popular. And I said to John Miller, "One, I, I, don't, I really don't like writing one every week. I mean, I like, as you know, I write it whenever something moves me. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have the, the the most utmost respect for a newspaper columnist who has to write something on Tuesday and then have something ready for Sunday. Years, I, I I don't know how you do that. I that is an incredible gift. I write when something moves me. So I said." I, I don't know how good they'll be, but I said, I do know this. I will eventually get around to making you mad. I'll, I'll, I'll tick you off about something and sure enough, I did. I'm, I'm not even quite honest. I'm not even sure what it was, but, uh, uh, he got really angry about some commentary and, and so we stopped it for a while. Then I kind of started back and, and, and what people, I think, usually think is that I, that I started with Michael Sam in 2014. Yeah. That was the first one that you know, like went viral and just took off and um, so many people noticed. But I've been writing quite a few of them and I, I've been flattered that some people have managed to find some of them. And like, oh, I didn't really realize you wrote that in 1989 when the Cowboys uh, were bought by Jerry Jones. And, uh, oh, I didn't know you wrote that in 93 about the Super Bowls or, you know, whatever it was. But then Michael Sam just changed my world. I mean, he just changed my entire world. Um, so what was funny about that is that for for the next few years, I, then I started writing quite a bit. And I always, though, tried to have a sports hook. You know, I, I would write about domestic violence, for example, um, yeah. but it was Ray Rice who played for the Baltimore Ravens who punched out his, his field. Um, I, I would write about um, gun violence, but it was because some basketball player had been involved in a shooting. And, you know, now I, I would, you know, the whole gist of the commentary was gun violence in America. But I had that hook mm-hmm. of uh, the basketball player or the football player, whatever it was. And then the, the first one that I think to me, uh, even though I did manage to find a hook, was when they had that police shooting in Dallas a few years back, yeah. and you know the police officers during the, the Black Lives Matter protest uh, were were being killed by a by a, a sniper, and and our former general manager Mike Devlin called me at eight o'clock in the morning, and said I want you to write about this tonight at ten, and I said well how would I how would I write about a police shooting in Dallas I mean uh, he goes I said I write about sports he goes no no you write about social issues all the time. I said, yeah, but there's always a sports hub. Right. And he said, Well, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you got about 12 hours to figure it out. <laughs> and I swear to you guys, all day long I'm thinking, Oh, I've got things to say <laughs> about this shooting, but how do I get there? And then I'm driving to work and then it hit me because the night before I'm watching the, the baseball game. I'm sitting in my office, my feet up on the desk, I said, and I started the commentary. I was watching the Rangers game last night. They were being shut out in Baltimore in the fifth inning. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell you I know that because all hell broke loose in my city. Mm. And then I went on and I did the entire commentary. And then I closed it by saying, incidentally, the Rangers lost last night, nine to one. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell you I know that. Mm. Devlin came up, hugged on me. And said, that's the best thing you've ever written. Mm. I called the lieutenant governor a fool because the line was, I said, our Lieutenant Governor blames the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters for the violence, because our Lieutenant Governor is a fool, which I thought was a heck of a line. I didn't call him a moron. I didn't call him a raving lunatic. I, I just kind of slid in, he's a fool. And I thought, well, okay, that was going to get me in trouble. And uh, and Devlin just laughed and said, no, no, his comments, he is a fool. I went, okay, thank you very much. And uh
2: I was going to uh, ask you, Dale, how, and then it
1: just kind of it just kind of ballooned from there.
2: I was going to ask you: Did you, have you worried over the years about going too far uh, because you're, you're taking on things that are no. thorny? I mean, these are thorny societal issues. Have you worried about going too far? And 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 what do you say to people who say, "No, man, I just want the facts and the scores from you. I don't want to hear your your opinion." Oh,
1: I, yeah. Well, number one, no, and I think you know the answer to this. No, I don't ever worry about going too far. <laughs> I probably should <laughs> on occasion. Uh, Um, uh, I I worry, uh, as as you pointed out uh, yesterday, I I, I worry about the words. I worry about the the writing of it. I worry about the delivery of it. I worry about the context of it. Um, I I think it through a great deal more than I think some people think I do, maybe. Mm. Um, I really don't just pull them out of wherever. (laughs) You know, I mean, I kind of put a little thought into them. Um, But, no, I I, I never – maybe I should, but I, I don't. I don't ever worry about offending. I said the closest I came to to remotely worrying about it was what I basically called out Trump for his uh, comments about Colin Kaepernick, and I really did think. I mean, I made fun of the fact that he didn't serve in the military because his foot hurt, and uh, and my line was, I said, "Hey, I I served in in the military, and my foot hurt too," you know, and and a lot of people were like. I didn't quite get that. I said, well, that's fine. If you don't get it, I'm not going to explain it. But for those who did get it, they're like, wow. And, uh, and I, I was pretty harsh. I, I called Trump out rather directly and, and bluntly. And, and this was basically about the time that Techna had just was relatively new purchase of our station. And I did think about this, that nah, that's, that's probably it. You know, that, that that's probably gone. And uh, our, our news director, I'm Carolyn Mungo. We're over at Victory Park Studio. And they sent a message over and said, does Dale have his phone with him? And I said, well, yeah, it's in his car. And he said, well, Dave Lugie, you know, the president of Tegna News. And he said, Dave Lugie wants to talk to him. And I walked out of the studio and I said, Pete, it's been fantastic. I've enjoyed <laughs> working with you. Uh, guys, it's been great. It's been fantastic. And I really did think, I really did I didn't care. I mean, quite honestly, I, I know. Mean, I, I, yeah, again, I, I did. I just believe in what I say, and I just felt it had to be said. And, you know, and um, and Luigi was unbelievably complimentary about the commentary and, uh, and incredibly supportive. And that kind of that kind of threw me back because I, I didn't expect it. But I, I hear that all the time. Uh, you know, hey, we just want the ball score. I should then turn the dot it turned the dial. uh you know i don't think anybody soldered your set so that the channels won't change you know i, uh, I just you know get somebody to explain to you how those remotes actually work and uh i, I said this one time jason um back when the, the stars first started uh, i didn't really give the stars a lot of coverage like like the diehard hockey fan thought i should have so they would call me and they say hey, i never watch it. I mean, you, you you make me so bad. You won't give the stars their credit. And I said, you like hockey? They said, yeah. I said, well, watch Channel 5. I said, you know, Scott covers the heck out of hockey. Kathy Clements was our general manager. They called Kathy Clemens. They said, hey, I called Hanson. He told me to watch Channel 5. So Kathy called me down to her office. And she goes, you actually told the guy to watch Channel 5? I said, Kathy. He wants hockey coverage he's not gonna get it from me. I was trying to help him out. I was I was providing a public service. I said, trust me, he'll be back. He'll be back. You know? And she just kind of was like, get out of my office. You know, oh, funny. I do. I tell people, I said, this is what I do. I got this great email last night from this woman. She married a man from Chicago. They moved to Dallas. And <laughs> she said, Where do you see this guy? According to her email. She said, Where do you see this guy? They threw me on. And I was doing one of my unplugs, right? So I'm doing like a, 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 you know, like a three and a half, four minute sportscast, and about two minutes of me is going off on some social issue or whatever. And then the guy looks at, at his new wife, and he goes, "That's what you call a sportscast in Dallas?" And her answer was, "Hey, that's that's our deal." You're going to love this guy. Huh. And sure enough, they supposedly love me. have been watching me for years. And, <laughs> and, but that's what you call a sportscaster. <laughs> and I just feel that you know, the sports audience is relatively small. Most sportscasters don't believe this, but it's absolutely true. Hmm. You take a, a, a typical newscast where you're trying to appeal to as many people as you can. About 15% of the audience is there. To find out who's going to be the new starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, hmm. or who's going to bat cleanup for the Rangers, maybe twelve to fifteen percent of the audience really cares about that stuff. It's my job to, to bring more people into the tent, hmm. and yes, I'll tell you who's batting cleanup for the Rangers, and I'll I'll tell you who's the starting tight end for the Cowboys. Um, but I've always felt that I've got to give. The audience a little bit more than that um and i think i've done that um, yeah. the hardcore sports fan doesn't always agree with it but um, there's not enough of the hardcore sports fans to worry about quite honestly
0: well, you you can tell that dale what people think about you just in, in the comments alone on uh, on social media when when it was announced that you were going to retire um I, it is rare I get so many comments on a post, but when I posted about you, I, it just—I think it's 1,500 on, on a single post. So, wow. um, two questions for you though: uh, Considering that, will you still do any unplugged segments? Because I'm sure you'll still be thinking about stuff and say, yeah. I, you know, I'd, "I'd like to get this out there." Uh, but number two, what, how do you handle all the haters out there? Because Wheeler gets hate mail all the time about his hair. And he's been coming to me asking what he should do about it, and I'm trying to give him some practical advice here. What what kind of advice would you give uh, someone like that?
1: Well, uh, uh, the first one, uh, I don't know that I'll do anymore. I've had a lot of people reaching out asking me just that. Uh, Part of the problem, seriously, is I don't know that I have the format. that I I would need a prompter. Uh, I don't like ad-libbing a a commentary because, to me, a commentary really is line-to-line, phrase-to-phrase, I can do a short thing off the top of my head, or I can memorize a short thing. Um, I don't know that I could memorize a a what I consider a good and a good commentary to me runs about a minute and a half to two fifteen somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, so unless I had a complete setup to do it properly, I probably won't do it. If the vehicle presents itself someday down the road, where where I, I you know whether it was radio commentary or something, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I could I could I could see that. But but I, I would say to Jason, so you, you can't worry about the hater. You just can't. I mean, people were always shocked. I, I I'll tell you one really bad story. Um, but and I this you talk about going too far. I, I said something on the air one night. I don't I don't remember what I said something anyway. This woman was really bad. This was a long time ago, but so she calls me or uh, calls afterwards, and she just starts screaming at me. She's cussing at me, and she said, "I just have to say." I left Dallas. I come back five years later, and you're the fattest bald pig on television. Oh, my gosh. And unfortunately, it just hit me at the, at the wrong moment because I knew I was the fattest bald pig on television. And I said, Well, I appreciate you saying that because I've got cancer, and the steroids have caused my body to blow it up. And they've also, the chemo has made me lose my hair. But thank you for your concern. And I hang up the phone. <laughs> Man, wow. She called back. She called back, just sobbing. I mean, just sobbing. And, yeah. and I, I would take the call, and the 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 guy answering the phone is like, Dale, Dale, you got to talk to her. I said, No, not with the language she used. When when people cross that line with me, now again, I should have just hung up the phone. I I'm not denying that, but I I would say this to you, Jason. I I have that tendency on occasion to fire back. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Uh, You know, I've gotten death threats. I've gotten a lot of them. But, uh, you know, I've always told people, I'm not really worried about the guy that emails me and says, hey, I live over here in Pearl. I'm going to come over there and kill you. No, I doubt it. I'm more worried about the guy who might just kill me when he sees me just because he doesn't like me, you know. (laughs) I've always thought death threats are vastly overrated, you know. that? yeah, it's it's the coward's way of sending an, an anonymous email or a voicemail or whatever they. They make these outrageous threats. Um, those people don't bother me. Um, and when people, uh, I, I tell you this, and this again will probably make some people mad, but I get this a lot, that you're nothing but an old, washed up, fat, bald, has mm-hmm. been And I usually write them back, I say, you left out rich. <laughs> 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 I mean, they just go off the deep end. You know? that is great and I, you, you've got every adjective that describes me perfectly i am old i am <laughs> fat i am bald and you forgot rich
2: right. and, oh. that is great and
1: you,
2: you have that, a tendency
1: that that, that, that one i kind of like and quite that's honestly good. That from time that's good time. you're, you're a hell of a engage. you're a hell
2: of a provocateur i'd say well, uh, I am. and and, and I you know how to get to people you know how to rile people oh, up that you know how to be. get you know how to make people angry, but people because, love you too, though Dale. I mean, you've got two sides of the coin there, yeah. uh, and 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 you've hit on so many issues with people over the years. And I'm not going to ask you which one was your favorite because no. I, I hate that question. Um, I, I would like to ask you though which one you know just judging by the, the the feedback you got from people, which one made the most impact, or which one impacted you the most? Was there one
1: that stood out oh, yeah. out of God, the whole heap? Again, by far, Michael Sayer uh, the micro sand uh, Let me just put one little postscript on that previous note, though. The, the reason I use that line is do you really think rich guys are sending you that vile hate mail? Hmm. You know, it, it's usually a guy working for minimum wage down at the gas station. You know I mean? And so I just, okay, you want, you want to insult me? You want to cuss at me here? Let me just cut you right off at the knees. Cause hmm. I'm pretty sure Mark Cuban didn't send that to me. You know, hmm. uh, the bank president didn't send that to yeah. me. Um, but but no when, when you're when you're looking um, when you're looking at, at what I've done and I, I'm with you I, I kind of hate that question uh, about what's your favorite because to me it really is as tried as it sounds like, I don't know which one which one's your favorite kid? you know which, which one is it um, but at the same time it, it kind it does kind of depend under what umbrella you're trying to describe the, the feeling um, you know the SMU investigation will always be off the charts. Um, uh, My Michael Jordan countdown, who who then, when he came to Dallas, he wanted to meet the guy who did the countdown. So I had the only one-on-one with Michael Jordan. Um, But at the end of the day, I really do hope uh, if there is a marker in the ground, um, and there won't be because I'm going to be cremated, but if there was a marker in the ground, uh, I'd kind of like somebody to walk by and go, hey, you ever see what this man said about gay rights in America? Do you ever see what this man said about social issues, civil rights in America, um, immigrants in America? Uh, that, and and Michael, Michael Sam was the catalyst for all of it. Um, Had there not been a Michael Sam? Would I have eventually gotten to it? Maybe, maybe. But without question, Michael Sam was the catalyst. It really is one of my, um, my favorite pieces that I've written. And a quick story about that one, Jason, when you talk about the writing, um, that started in all seriousness because we didn't have anybody working the next day. You know, the the schedule had gotten kind of out of whack and we didn't have a reporter to do a story. And Sean Hamilton, sports director, comes to me and said, I'm hoping you could write a commentary tomorrow night because we we don't have anybody working. I said, about what? He said, well, I'm thinking Michael Sam, but you know, maybe Marcus Smart, a a kid from uh, North Texas who had, Pushed a guy because he called him the N-word at Oklahoma State. I said, well, I've written about that a million times. He goes, no, no, good. I'd prefer that you write about Michael Sand. And I said, well, I'm not sure what I'd write. And he goes, well, you know, hopefully you come up with something. I'm driving home, and I hear the most unbelievably heinous, outrageous comments on all the radio stations. So I wrote it. I get up the next day, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is actually pretty good. So, I call this very liberal friend of mine and I read it to him, thinking, this will kill. And he goes, Yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> I read it to a very conservative friend of mine. He goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> fine. So, I read it to another liberal guy. He goes, No, I, I think that'll work. <laughs> so, I promise you, I hit the air and I'm thinking, Okay, I, I guess it's okay. Uh, Sean said, "Yeah, I think Sean was one of those. Oh, it's fine. It, it, it'll it'll work." And I didn't think it was any big deal. I promise you, I didn't. And this happens a lot with me. I mean, things that I think are outrageous, nobody reacts to. Things that I think are just milk toast, little slide by comments, and oh, the whole internet goes nuts. I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, when you do, that I write know. it, I, I I do it on the air. And, again, I'm thinking, yeah, it's okay. It filled It filled the two minutes, you know. And Billy's sons, one of my favorite people ever working on our floor crew, pops his head around the camera and says, what do you think the reaction to that will be? Hmm. I said, oh, hell, I'll, I'll get 100 emails over the next week or so. 50 of them will love it and 50 of them will hate it. By the time I got home, I had like 115. The next morning I had 800. By the time I got to work, it was 1,500. Mm. Then they started coming in from California and Hawaii and Australia and London England. And off we go. Mm. Um, but yeah, what I was able to do, and the conversation that I was able to spark with that one commentary, I had a man walk up to me at a, at a charity function we were at, and he says, "Can I give you a hug?" I said, sure. He starts crying. He said my dad called me today. Okay. okay. No, your dad called you. He said, no. You don't understand. I haven't talked to my dad in 11 years. I came out gay to him when I was 19 years old and I've never seen him since. But he called me this morning. He said, "Hey, if that old fat son of a bitch Hanson thinks it's okay, you and I are going to figure it out."
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: Now what more can a man do in his life than than that? Wow. I mean, what more can a man do? Um, yeah, that will, uh, the Michael Sam, which led to all the social commentaries. Um, and I know some people hate them and I know people think I should just shut up and do ball stories, and, but that's, that's not who I want to be. And I will be, I promise you forever grateful that WFAA gave me the platform and allowed me, allowed me to talk about the things that really, really matter that I really care about. Um, that's what I will always be appreciative about.
0: Dale, there's obviously all, all kinds of, uh, response to your, your news that you're going to retire in September. Uh, one thing that, uh, Jenny McLean I'm not sure where Jenny is, but she, uh, tweeted out, man, I love Dale Hansen. He'll be missed for sure. More time for other things though. Come on, Dale Hansen for governor. <laughs> have, you, have you ever thought about politics at all?
1: Well, yeah, I think about politics all the time, which is why running, I running for office. When I heard about you guys doing, it, I said, "Well, I'm there." You know, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't run for office, uh, not in this day and age. And it's kind of the same argument that that I would say about when people tell me I should write a book. Well, I've got stories, as you guys are both painfully aware. I, <laughs> I've, I've got stories, but but I believe that if I was to write a book, for example, um, I would have to tell the truth. I would always tell the truth. And as a result of that, everybody dies uh, at the end, especially me. And I think it's somewhat true um, if I run for office. I don't have a governor, uh, n- not to use the pun here, but um, I was asked to run for office. You, you, you're going a kick out of this. Um, oh, it was shortly after the Michael Sam, probably around 2015, I guess, 2016, somewhere, whatever that election cycle was. So I get this call, and they want me to run for office. And I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to do it, quite frankly, but I'm going to take the meeting. I'm, I'm going to take the meeting, and I'm thinking, I don't really want to be a congressman. I, I don't want to be a congressman, and, uh, and and I'm not I'm not qualified to be uh, uh, the governor. But but then again, the governor we have is not qualified either. So what difference does <laughs> it make in Texas? But I'm, I'm like. You know senate that's out of the question i'm you know i'm, I'm obviously not going to be in the senate um, and they wanted me to run for land commissioner against george p bush and i'm like i don't even know what that is i mean i don't even <laughs> i don't even know what that is But i said you want me to run for a land commissioner and i think what they really wanted and i think i could have done something here other than just humiliate myself by by getting drummed by, uh, by young Mr. Bush, um, I think they wanted my voice on the campaign circuit. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, I got enough emails from people trying to push me to do it. Uh, but what I actually ended up reading through those emails was, we need your voice on mm-hmm. the campaign circuit, because even though you're, quote, running for land commissioner, mm-hmm. which I thought would have been the biggest joke ever, I would be able to talk about all the issues and incorporate all the things that that the Democratic Party wanted to, to get out there, and uh, uh, so obviously I I I'd say, ah let's see land commissioner W X no I think we're good, um, <laughs> but I, I do think I could have done that I think I I, I think I would be good on the campaign trail, hmm. uh, and I quite honestly I'm hoping to do that not not for any particular candidate. Not for me to run uh, that, that that that's not even open for debate, but I do want I hope that I get an opportunity to be on the campaign trail on behalf of my issues on behalf of of what I believe in um, and if some candidate happens to agree with me, you know I'll give a nod in his or her direction um, but as I said to to Jason before you uh, got on here, I said i I don't think I'll ever um endorse a particular candidate because you you, you might think you're in endorsing bandy O'Rourke and and you end up getting Matt gates and I don't want to you know, I, I don't want to be that guy that you endorsed him okay you know you got me um, I don't think my issues go out of style I don't think my issues are gonna are going to um, ever bother me because I, I absolutely obviously I believe I'm on the right side of history and I think gay rights and human rights and women's rights, and uh, all of these issues that are impacting America on a regular basis, I really don't care. And this is a problem in our society, in my opinion. I really don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. I really don't. I do care about the issue. I care about the cause. Uh, and I'm just sick and tired of, you know, like I was in the Washington Post today, how you know, we're we're limiting uh, the unemployment checks. You know, I'm always intrigued at how rich people think poor people are making too much money. I mean, it's always the richest people who think the poorest people are making too much money, and those kind of issues just offend me. I mean, they just offend me, um, and I think I've got something to say about that. Will everybody agree? No, of course not. But um, uh, I, I know for a fact that I've. I've moved the needle a little bit with some of my conservative friends. <laughs> and that's one of the most gratifying things is that when, when some of my most conservative friends and in some cases have actually changed their opinion uh, on gay rights in particular, uh, sexual abuse of young people, uh, those kind of issues. I never really thought of it that way. I think you're right. And the next thing I know, they've changed their opinion. You know, they still think I'm a communist and a socialist, but yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> they'll get over it. They'll get over it. So, um, so, so yeah, there's I, a chance. I'm hoping to do that.
2: So there's a chance here that some people may actually hear more, uh, from Dale Hansen after you leave, uh, the, 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 airwaves in September, uh, because you'll actually have the time for it. Uh, and, and I know you're planning on spending a lot of time in that pool out there and, yeah. uh, and, and sort of ranching, farming, whatever you call it. You're on that, uh, you know, riding lawnmower, you're obsessed with the grass. And so you're going to be doing I'm gonna that.
1: Be, uh, I'm going to be like Eddie Albert and, uh, uh, green Acres, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm married to Zsa Zsa Gabor, so why not go all the way? You know? but, uh, hey, nice to- I'll be out there on my tractor and I- I'm going uh, to, I'm going to be the, you know, I've always, I, and again, I jokingly say this, I probably shouldn't, but I will, I'm, I'm going to have the most gorgeous, wrinkled up brown body known to man and and i'll probably get cancer and die from too much sun Jeez. and then they'll walk by the box and they'll go you know he's dead but dan he looks good i mean he really looks healthy it's too bad he's dead you know because i'm gonna brown up this summer like a son of a gun you know?
2: so you're gonna be out there doing that maybe even into the fall and instead of covering the cowboys for the first time in forever
1: It's going to be different, but, but you know what? I really am looking forward to because I used to be such a Cowboys fan. When, when I came to Dallas, people have obviously forgotten this, but when I came to Dallas, it was Drew Pearson and, and, and Butch uh, uh, Johnson and Tony Dorsett and two tall Jones. And many of those men became friends of mine, Charlie waters, Cliff Harris, all that group. And and I love those guys. Uh, You know, I, I, here, I hate mentioning names, but I almost feel like I'm going to forget somebody. But John Fitzgerald, whatever. And I, I was I was a fan. I was at a game in St. Louis, Jason. Uh, this this is what a great journalist I was. I was at a game in St. Louis. I'm in the press box, and Tony Dorsett scored a touchdown in the final minutes to win the game. I started jumping up and down and cheering. And this guy looked at me and goes, hey, buddy, buddy, are you a sportscaster and a journalist, or are you a fan? And I swear to you, I turned around and went, yes, I am, sir. Yes, I am. <laughs> And then, obviously, it got away from me. Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and the guys brought it back in the early 90s. And then Barry Switzer showed up, and okay, now we're done. <laughs> the lovely Mr. Panson is a huge Cowboys fan, and I hope to be one again. Um, I want to be able to watch a game and just enjoy the game and not have to sit there and look at it and make notes and, okay, I've got, okay I'm going to have to critique that. i got to keep track of it. I just want to sit back, probably have that beer in one hand, and, knowing me a glass of wine in the other you know (laughs) and and just watch these games and and argue with my friends about it and not have to sit there the entire time thinking okay let me get a hold of stretch smith let's let's see how we're going to break this down tonight and um I, i i think it'll be great i mean i i think it'll be fun and um you know if it's not i'll i'll give you a call and and ask and beg for a job back, and maybe I could be the manager or something. You know?
2: So we, you we, think you can be a fan again, though, while it's still Jerry's team?
1: Uh, you know, yeah, I, I like Jerry more than people think I do. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like me, but, but uh, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily, I, I, as I've said, I, I, I like Jerry in many, many ways, believe it or not. I, I hate the fact that, he's, that he thinks he's a general manager. I mean, that's that's a killer. I mean, that's just a killer. But I like the—I mean, I like Dak Prescott a lot. I really like Dak Prescott. Um, he lost me a little bit in his contract hassle because I get a little put off by people to think they're being disrespected when they're being only offered thirty-four million a year. I mean, that, okay, you kind of lost me. I—I get why you think you should get forty. I really do, but don't don't tell me you're offended by thirty-four million a year. Uh, which is another thing, quite honestly, that, that kind of led to this. I, I, I'm really kind of tired. Uh, I just am. I'm sorry, but I just am of dealing with with what I consider to be greedy athletes, the way the games are changing. the, the show, I, I know it's an old man complaining here. Every, every old man does this, but uh, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm just tired of it. You know, a, a six foot 10 inch guy dunks a basketball and starts strutting back up the court. no, if you're 6'10 and you can't dunk a basketball, that's when you ought to be stupid. I mean, what do you mean you're 6'10 and you dunk the basketball? How hard is that? I mean, really? That's what you're feeling powerful about? Look at me, you know? I mean, what a stupid thing that is, you know? Uh, they, I mean, they do it all the time. Luca Doncic, who I think is a great player for the Mavericks, but shut up, you know? I mean, he gets fouled on every shot he takes, and he's never fouled anybody? I mean, really? I mean, come on, you know. Uh, and back in my day, you know, and I just uh, – <laughs> But I do. I just I, – I just I, – I, I couldn't – and it's what happened to me in 96 when I was broadcasting the Cowboys games. I loved a great deal about those games. Troy Aikman was still playing, for example. I loved that. But I just couldn't look across the field at Barry Switzer and with a straight face go, hey, what a great game this is. What a great team – and and that's gonna be kind of the hard part about when you mention about being a fan, because I lost what what I consider being a fan years ago when I I just I knew too much. Mm. And I think it's true of political reporters. I think a lot of political reporters they just lose respect for the system because they know too much. Mm. You know, they go into it like, oh, I'm gonna cover this congressperson and I'm gonna cover a, the US Senate and I'm gonna cover the governor, and then you find out. Oh man, that's not what I thought it was, mm. and that's exactly what happened to me. That I love sports growing up. I just I twenty four seven with me, and when I got my first opportunity to be a sportscaster, I thought, well, this is just stupid. They actually they actually pay you for this, and then unfortunately, four, five, to six years in, I thought, really, really, I'm supposed to like look the other way when this happens, or. I know about this or this guy's complaining because he only makes $10 million. And, on and I just, the bile just kept building up and I was afraid it would just come spewing out some night. Some people had, would argue they probably already have, but, but I just felt like, I, as I said earlier, I've got to go too early so that I don't ever run the risk of going too late. And I, I, I think I've done that. I, every great comedian I've ever seen, every great singer that I've gone to a concert, yeah, you know, I don't care who you but I still love Willie Nelson's music, you know, but every time I go to a Willie Nelson concert, I, 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 I get off the stage. I mean, the man sings forever. I mean, it, and, and Bruce Springsteen does another one. I love, I just love Bruce Springsteen. And I left his first concert hmm. at the Cotton Bowl. And he must have sang for three, three and a half hours. Hmm. And I'm in this stupid seat. Whereas I would go see George Jones, for example, or Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, geez. I'm getting to him. Yeah, I was waiting. <laughs> and every time, in fact, I'm going to hopefully see him again in August over in Fort Worth. And, and Rod Stewart, every time he leaves the stage, I'm like, no, don't uh-huh. stop now. Uh-huh. now he, he usually does sing all my favorite songs and, you know. I'm satisfied, if you will, with the performance, but I want about 30 more minutes. Mm. And I've never left a Rod Stewart concert, or, or even better yet, back in the day with old George Jones, who I just, mm. <laughs> he did 60 minutes right on the nut. It was never 61, it was 60, because it was all scripted right in front of me, off a prompting. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love the, I, I the guys, as much as I hated at that particular moment, I love the guys who leave the stage too soon mm-hmm. as compared to the guys who stay there too long. Mm. And my, my idol growing up was Johnny Carson on the Tonight Show. His grandparents lived right across the street from me. Yeah. And we thought they were just, you know, like had, had a brain disease or something, you know, because you're not possibly Johnny Carson's grandparents, <laughs> and they were. And I wanted to be Johnny Carson or, you know, and I think he left early. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. but he did the same thing. He lost his enthusiasm. I mean, it became where he's never on Mondays. Then, okay, now he's never on Mondays and Fridays. And Oh, by the way, he's never on in June, July. And as you guys well know, I've kind of morphed into that. I'm doing only the 10 o'clock. I don't do Sunday nights outside of football season. Uh, I I take the entire month of June off, only that they go on another vacation in August. Mm -hmm. And that's not right. I mean, that's, that's, That's not right. That's not fair to the station. It's not fair to the guys in my sports department that I work with who have to cover all my off time. Hmm. And at the end of the day, it's not fair to me when I spend part of my day figuring out, okay, yeah, I can go on vacation here. and Then I'm going to take these days off. That's not who I was. That's not, that's not even close to who I used to be, but I also know that that day's gone. And, um, uh, so while I still feel good about it, I still enjoy it, especially when that red light pops on, um, you know, I, I think I'm leaving at exactly the right time. And and when people say, I wanted at least one more year, uh, I hope they understand how flattering that is to me. Hmm. Um, although, you know, I get a couple like, oh, you should have gone 10 years ago. <laughs> Uh, and then I write back, Hey, you forgot I'm rich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Dell, we don't, uh, we don't want to overstay our welcome, man. We, we, we really appreciate the time. I, I'm sure Mrs. Hanson's ready for you to get off the iPad there and, uh, and hang out. So, uh, raise a toast again to you here. Thanks so hey, much. I, I love the stories. I, I have 25 other questions. So we'll have to have you on for a, uh, an encore episode here of Yolitics. but thank you so much for the time and congratulations. I,
1: I appreciate the hangout. out, and I'm, I'm I'm glad to be on. And, and as as the lovely Missus Bass will tell you. I am my favorite topic. Oh, I was so, just going to uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, time, guys. anytime. Let's, Dale, let's do it again someday. Let's do it.
2: We're again. gonna miss. We're gonna miss you like hell, Dale. And uh, we look forward to seeing you through September, uh, early September. But uh, thanks for all the memories and all, all right, the stories. I
1: appreciate it very much. Hi right. see you, boys. Thank you very much. Seven for your father, for your left to the bank.